Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, if you've got your Bible this morning, we'll use it at some stage. Um, when I was speaking last, I talked uh, about a theme that was uh, spoken prophetically into the heart of the church, and that was rising tide. Uh, every year there's a, a word that comes to the church that we try and um, keep as a focus. Um, last year was the word traction, and uh, this year James brought two words. He sort of doubled up, and it was uh, rising tide. And if you live on the North Shore and you come across the Upper Harbour Drive, this morning you would have seen the rising tide. It was like full tide. It was right up. It was actually quite um, surreal. It was quite magic. Uh, sort of like you want to go fishing or sailing. It was so good. Um, but there's been a rising tide in the things of God around the planet. And we don't want to miss the moment. Uh, we want, don't want to miss the hour. We don't want to miss the season. And this morning I'm going to pick up on this um, whole theme of um, the rising tide. And if you're taking notes, I've called it mobilisation agents of change. Because whenever you look at church history, there's individuals that have stepped up and stepped out, like a Gideon who we heard about before. And they did things, they were catalysts, they triggered things that were unreal. Um, they didn't believe how some of the unrealness could have actually been unpacked in and through their lives. Many, many people like that. And I believe our church, there's... We are agents of change. There's something in the spirit that we're going to trigger and have probably already begun to trigger in the spirit, uh, not only here uh, in West Auckland or through Auckland, but into the nations of the world. Some of the stuff that James has been doing, some of the stuff that I've been able to do, we don't see um, the full impact this side of eternity, but we see the start of something triggered in the spirit. And so when we look at our church and we look at ourselves, we think, man, why are we living in our generation? Of all the times when we could have lived, why is it now that God's actually got us here right now? And I think in his sovereignty, he's got a plan far bigger than any of us would have comprehended. You know, we're in this room for a reason. We're in our nation for a reason right now, um, in our generation. There's a mandate on our country right now. Um, it's one of the United Nations uh, countries. But I think in the spirit, there's a mantle that is so significant on our country. It's not a light mantle, it's a very heavy mantle. And somehow it's starting to impact the world in a way that um, the angels are going, <gasps> and looking. We've got people in the grandstands of eternity looking down on our planet and seeing things that are happening in the world now that people want to be part of. Um, we're in the cusp of fresh things and new things. There's a new dynamic happening. But there's always been significant individuals that have responded to God's call in their life and things have happened. Right in the beginning of the Bible, we see people like Noah, you know, building an ark. Crazy things, but he did things within his generation. Abraham, he was told to go from the Ur of the Chaldees to Canaan. And he think, well, why me? You know, but he responded and God started to bless him and bless him more and more and more. And he impacted not one nation, but many nations of the world. God spoke to him and said, I'm going to bless you, Abe. And you're going to have more children than the, uh, the sand on the, on the beach or the stars in the sky. Something beyond his imagination. And God blessed him. And he became the father, not of one nation, Israel, but many of the uh, Middle Eastern nations he became the father of. 
But because he was a man who trusted God, he listened to God, he stepped out, and things really started to happen. Well, that blessing that God gave Abraham was actually spoken in 2018 BC. I'm going to bless you, Abe. You're going to have an amazing family, and I'm going to bless people through you. And he's thinking, wow, that's nice. But we look back now when we see the history of what's actually taken place. Well, that was 2018 BC. 2018 AD, like I mentioned last time, the Apostle Prophet James Anson got up and declared, rising tide. And we started to see something happen. And it was like, we've seen this river get higher and higher. The tides got higher and higher and higher. But the tide hasn't got higher and higher. The current, the flow has got stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, in the spirit, it's just got, there's been a, there's a flow that's increased. There's been a, um, the, the, the flood has just started to flow at a, with greater intensity. There's been a strengthening. There's been a, a deepening of what's going on. There's, there's been a, a widening of things that have been going on in the spirit. Um, more powerful, more flow, more potency. And as you travel and connect with people and you hear their stories of what God is doing in the church, you start to hear some of the amazing stories, you know, People that are like, you know, you've got tall poppies and you've got short poppies. Well, some of the short poppies is they've been challenged to do things by God. You hear their stories, what's happened, the people they've prayed for and all these people that have got healed. You know, the number of salvations in the churches have increased. Um, you know, it's not, not consistent, but you see surges of what, what is happening. And I just sense that right now in the spirit, there's a new pouring out of the substance of God on the church on our planet right now. And somehow, New Zealand is like getting a, a precursor or a foretaste of some of that uniqueness that's taking place. There's more and more Holy Ghost gifting being poured out on the church. In their shapes courses, we were talking last week about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and quite often it's like, oh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, oh, you've got to speak in tongues. And uh, that's really important, but that's only one of many, many gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're finding now that God has poured out this whole arsenal, this whole battery of um, Holy Ghost supernatural giftingness on the church for a reason. So it's not just speaking in tongues, it's a prophetic aspect. There's the apostolic, the evangelistic side, there's leadership, administration, the gift of helps, gift of service. All the stuff has been infused into the church for a reason. There's more and more healings taking place in the church. You know, it's not like spasmodic healing. There's a consistency of, um, of what, what God is doing. You know, sometimes the wave is a bit higher and sometimes it's a little bit lower. Um, I know when this church started, we were having altar calls uh, for the healing and lots of people got healed. Um, we had words of knowledge and people were coming forward to get healed and people turned around and sat down um, because they got healed before they came to the front. There was neat things happening. Um, there's more and more miracles taking place in, in the body, especially in the mission field. I'm speaking to missionaries all the time because uh, I pass to pastors and I pass to missionaries and I hear their stories of what's going on in their ministries. Um, there's more and more signs and wonders taking place in the church. It just didn't take place in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the book of Acts. It's continued on and there's more and more signs and wonders taking place. I was in... Um, Botswana a number of years ago and I was supposed to do a conference with another pastor and he had to come back to New Zealand because there was a crisis going on and I had to do this whole seminar and it was right on the edge of the Kalahari Desert and I was talking about God was pouring out a fresh thing into the church and a new thing in the church and there was going to be a renewal taking place in their nation and what happened 
this man came running into the service and said, Pastor, 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 the river that is flowing down to the uh, Victoria Falls is now flowing uphill. And everyone went, what? 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 That never has happened before. And so they've got the Kalahari Desert, and there was a river flowing from the Kalahari Desert down to the Victoria Falls. And somehow, it was a U-turn. All this water was going uphill. And I said, well, God's speaking. It's a sign and wonder. You know, what has been a dry, arid place is going to know a refreshing. There's, and, and it's like all the water's down by the Victoria Falls, and it's sort of like coming uphill. And what's been arid and dry, there's going to be a renewal taking place. That was a sign and wonder. I'm still going, whoa, I can't understand that. But it's good. There's more and more of the prophetic being poured out in the spirit um, on the church. And this church, um, as we got started, we've seen the level of the strengths of the prophetic rise up within our church. It's just part of the grace that's on our church. And through the body of Christ, we're seeing more and more of the prophetic articulated through the people in the church. Uh, in the prayer meetings and things like that, it's just part of the reflection of what God is doing. There's a pouring out of God in a fresh way. Well, I promised we'd talk to the, take you to the book of the Bible, the Bible book. If you go to the book of Habakkuk and uh, chapter 1, you'll see a scripture there that's going to amaze you. Habakkuk 1 and verse 5, and it says this, I'll read this out. It says, the Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm going to do something in your own day, something that you won't even believe, even if someone told you about it. And we can often read these scriptures and think, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But as you look, it says, I'm going to do something in your own day, something that you won't even believe. Even though they told you about it, you wouldn't even believe. And I think that's a prophetic expression that was relevant in his time, but it's also relevant for us today because there's something happening in our age and our lifespan around our planet that is just, I wouldn't say immeasurable, but it's amazing. Um, and it's getting better and better. It's not getting worse and worse. It's not spasmodic. It's actually, the, the flow is um, getting more consistent. There's something happening. And so as James started to speak at the beginning of the end of last year, about into the beginning of this year, he talked about rising tides. And what happened here in New Zealand, we started to see a series of storms that impacted our nation. And this is the North Shore, by the way, unfortunately. Um, but the floods hit the North Shore. I think the same thing happened a little bit out west here. But then out at Maraitai, the same thing. But it wasn't just in New Zealand. The next slide will show a picture of Fiji, where you guys come from. There were floods in Fiji, and it wasn't like one cyclone, there was two cyclones. And the flooding that took place was like, well, this has not really happened like this before. And if I had time this morning, I'd show you uh, pictures of what took place in Tonga and Samoa and up and through Indonesia, you know, where there's lots of flooding normally, like the level's gone to record uh, heights and things like that. God, God sometimes wants to open our eyes to the natural and when we see the natural, we then start to see the supernatural. There's something happening on our planet. You know, we talk about Matthew 24 about in the end times there's going to be more and more war and pestilence and earthquakes and unusual things. Well, this is unusual things that's taking place in the planet for a reason. It's like the Holy Spirit's going to give like a, a supernatural weather bomb. Bang. More power, more potency, um, more reality. You know, we're here for a reason. Why is he putting us here right now? And we see that there's a new challenge where, um, I mentioned a little bit like last time, where the church is rising up like these guys in a canoe, like a walker, where we're starting to paddle in synchronization. 
There's a timing, there's a new beat, there's a new rhythm that's starting to come together. No, not so much lopsided, there's a rhythm that's actually coming together. Not one canoe, there's many canoes coming together. There's a rhythm starting to take place. The church corporate is coming together. There's a new collegiality, there's a new... Uh, um, rhythm coming, there's a new partnership uh, network starting to be established well we're on the cusp of a generation for a purpose and, and I'm starting to see these things take place more and more um, and it's exciting the reality is that one person can make amazing difference, we've seen that in the life of Noah and we've seen that in the life of Abraham, one person can really do that but one church can also make an incredible difference, a major difference but also, I believe, one nation can also make a powerful difference as well. You know, we look at the Bible. When I first got saved, I did, had no idea why God wanted to bless Israel so much. And the word Israel was in the Bible from cover to cover. And it's like, that confused me because I thought, hey, we're living in New Zealand, God's own country. You know, what's he always talking about Israel about all the time? Well, then I started to realize as I grew up, well, that's how God blessed um, the world, through the nation of Israel. It was like a reality check. But God is also blessing New Zealand, not just Israel. People who hang out with Jesus are always going to be blessed. Um, people who connect with Jesus are going to know that anointing on their life. You know, Jesus said straight away to the 12, okay, guys, go out into the cities, do what I've told you to do, pray for the sick, raise the dead. Oh, come on, that's a bit tough, Lord. But they did, and they went out and they prayed for sick people, they got healed, demons were coming screaming out of people, and even de dead people came back to life, and it was amazing. But it wasn't just the 12, it was also the 72. And as they hung out with Jesus, they caught what he had, and the empowerment came upon them. And great things happened in, obviously, the Gospels. And then the Lord said, okay, I've got more for you guys. It's not going to just be down here. The tide's going to come in. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit for you, for a reason, for a purpose. Oh, and that purpose, by the way, is to change the world. Oh, you know. And we saw this small group of people, 120, in the upper room. It wasn't it's even less number than Gideon had with the 300. They were in the upper room there and God just empowered them with the Spirit. They had no idea what that was about. But that group of people changed the whole known world. 120 people. And the ripple effect continues to go on. And on and on and on and on. But as we look at church history, it was like the gentle rain at the beginning has become stronger and stronger and stronger. I don't know if you looked out the window yesterday and saw a storm in Auckland. I did. The rain was very gentle to start off with. It got heavier and heavier. We got a rain gauge, so I go out and check the rain gauge to see what's actually happening. And um, in the afternoon, it was like... And Chris and I was lined up to go and see one of our daughters and my mother. And Chris said, can't stand the car, can't stand the rain, let's turn around and go home. That's the first time we've actually ever turned around to go home because it was raining outside. And so we did. I'm a man under great authority, so we went home. <laughs> That's the way it is. It really is. But the thing is, it started off gentle and it got heavier and heavier and heavier. And we had, in our place on the North Shore, by the way, uh, 40 mils of rain in less than 24 hours yesterday. Um, 
and that's just and that was exciting you know as for our you know for, for me because I like the rain gauge to go up because we've got water tanks but it's more than just the natural it's the supernatural we got to look at this is what Smith Wigglesworth said and I mentioned him the last time when I spoke uh, he's a Welsh revivalist he was, he was a plumber he got saved in the middle as a middle-aged man in the in the 40s and he impacted the world in an amazing way but he said this prophetically he said a revival is coming of unmatched intensity with a greater outpouring of the gifts of the Holy Spirit than ever before. He said, a revival's coming, guys. It's going to be unmatched. You're never going to, it's never been like this before, but there's going to be a, a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit gifts than ever before. The Welsh, Welsh revival took place and people started to speak in tongues, really, um, not for the first time, but there was a whole new outpouring and people started to become charismatics. That's when they recognised as charismatics from that point of time because they started to speak in tongues. But that was just like the foretaste. There was a whole bunch of other gifts that started to come into the church, but they were only like ankle deep. And through the, the last century, the last couple of generations, the level has just increased, increased, increased. We had the charismatic renewal and there was a whole new surge, a whole new depth of what God was pouring out on the church. God's got an agenda. He's got a timetable. And as we look at it, we're starting to see things increase. There's an urgency of the hour taking place. The tide is rising. Um, well, at any time of history where change is taking place, God sends individuals. They become trigger points. They became the catalyst for fresh things to take place. In the book of Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi 4 verse 5, there was this prophetic unction that was going to take place. And it says, look, I'm sending you a prophet, Elijah, before the great dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. There was a prophetic expression said, hey, I'm sending you a prophetic guy who's going to challenge you. And he's going to trigger things. There's going to be like a U-turn. There's going to be a renewal taking place. When we look at our society today, we need to see families restored. We need to see the children looking to the parents for godly advice. We need to see the synergy. We've seen ripped apart families. It's like enemies got in and just destroyed the fabric of society and families. But... This is talking about another guy, or uh, the, the Elijah guy, was talking about John the Baptist. So if we jump into Matthew's Gospel 11, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 11, it says this, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, I tell you the truth, of all the people who have ever lived, none was ever greater than John the Baptist. How would you like to have that written onto your CV? You know, of all the people who lived, none was ever greater than this guy, John the Baptist. Well, he was the Elijah, the picture. He was the prophetic guy. And so as he came into the nation, he was a little bit of a renegade. He had to do things that were against the status quo. There was a mantle on his life. And he had to respond to that. And so, so he was known as John the, the Evangelist. He was John the Baptist, but he was also an evangelist. And he woke up the status quo in the nation that was there. People heard about him. But as he spoke, things started to happen. But there was like, from that time on, there was like an evangelisticness rising in the church. It started somewhere, and he was like the seed in the ground where the evangelistic thing, whatever it was, started to emerge and started to express itself. And then later on, in one of the, one of the other gospel writers, uh, Luke, he said this in Luke 1 and verse 11, it says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and standing at the right side of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed. And he, 
for, for the fear he saw in him. It was an amazing situation where he was there, this angel turned up, he was doing his normal thing, this angel turned up, and then he started to give him instructions. He said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Um, I've heard the cry of your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. And so there was an encounter with God where there was a prophetic direction taking place that was going to take place in and through his life for a new generation. And he started to um, ponder these things, and because he didn't believe, obviously his mouth was shut up. But I believe there's going to be an unzipping where God has spoken into the heart of the church promises. And people have not been able to fully comprehend some of those promises, but there's been like a, an unzipping. And some of the things that God has put in people's hearts, the dreams, like the supernatural pregnancy, Elizabeth was pregnant with a baby called John. But there's been like supernatural gifts, supernatural dreams, supernatural destiny that God has deposited in each of us in this congregation this morning. And it's like sometimes we haven't actually articulated deep down what that is but it's like the unzipping is taking place and we're starting to see people rise up a greater challenge John was only one man but he was an obedient man one man can make an incredible difference one man who made an incredible difference in my life was a guy called Mr Finlay Um, I was a young fellow um, not so young these days but it was in the 60s when I was at primary school um, I can't remember the, whether I was actually in the primers or the standards. I think it could have been the standards. But this old man, Mr. Finlay, turned up. I can remember he had a brown polyester suit and pants. And he carried a ukulele with him. And he was there. He wasn't a teacher. But he came in and taught Bible in schools. And he carried this persona you know, he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a teacher. He was just an old man in a brown suit with a ukulele. And I'll tell you what, he could pick the ukulele up and he would start to play how, how great thou art. And um, tears would come. And it wasn't what he knew in here, but what came out of his life that was articulated. And as a young guy, I'm thinking, I don't know anything about the Bible. This was like fantasy land just about I couldn't understand that at all but because he was such a a key guy with such honesty and and integrity it just rubbed off and it was so real and and as I grew older and older and older I always looked back and just thought about that man and the single deposit that he put into my life but he wasn't the only one teaching in Beach Haven Primary School at the time there was a lady called Mrs Green and she was just a a mum at home with three kids. Um, I think one of the kids was at primary school with us and there were two preschoolers. And one of the preschoolers had actually reached up to the kitchen bench and pulled a whole uh, kettle of hot water all over and all the hair started to fall out and there was uh, third degree burns and it was like uh, scalding everywhere. But this mother, she didn't sit, sit at home with a pity party. She wanted to make a difference. And God was challenging her to go to primary school and just teach Bible in schools. It was just over the back fence for her. It's really close to the school. And so she did. And so when she came, and Mr. Finlay had still made an impact in my life. He didn't come just to Beach Haven Primary School. He went to Birkdale and Birkdale North. He went up to uh, Manuka and Target Road Primary Schools. So he was on a mission. And uh, he was, for two years I had him. And then Mrs. Green tagged and she came in after him. And she carried a genuineness. And she didn't have to be there. She could have had all the excuses in the world, you know, pre preschool children, 
tough looking after them. A child that's totally burnt, you know, looked really ugly because all the skin had peeled off and it was all deformed and everything. But she pushed on. And she made her home open for all the kids that were going to the Sunday school, well not Sunday school, it was Bible and schools. And so after school, a lot of us would just troop over the back fence to her place. And she became like a surrogate mum. And um, I can never remember the biblical stuff that they, either of those guys taught us. But what they taught us was something we called on them as a, as a heart-to-heart. One person making an incredible difference. And it's still, you know, I'm going to stand before God one day, and I'll tell you what, Mrs. Green and Mr. Finlay are going to get a lot of gratitude from me uh, because they did something that has affected my life today. One man, one woman. Well, when I was in Indonesia last month, I met a whole series of neat people doing some crazy things and amazing things. And we were praying for this guy. Maybe you could, yeah, this is the guy there in the middle. Um, he was holding back. He was sitting at the back, you know, uh, shoulders all hunched, head down. He wasn't talking very much. And I just felt to really pray for him. So I called him forward. And as he came forward, God just started to show me a number of things in his life. And we started to pray for him. And I said, yeah, you're a little bit like Aaron, who has said, look, uh, well, Moses, you know, saying, hey, I can't do anything. I'm not an articulate person. I can't speak. I can't do anything. Um, I can't convince anybody anything. Um, please send someone else, like my brother. You know? And I said, you've been looking at your errands around you, your brothers around you, saying, you're no good. Well, this man here, he started seven churches in 10 years in the heart of a real hostile nation where there's Islamic pressure everywhere. Not only is there Islamic pressure everywhere, he's in a tribal area which there's just acute uh, witch doctor, voodoo, all that sort of stuff, all the nasty stuff on a level that's unbelievable. Frontline person in the remote areas where there's no encouragement, no help from coming, coming anywhere. But God said, hey guy, I want you to go to this particular village. And he went to that village. People started to respond to the gospel. But it wasn't just his village. All the other villages started around and around started to hear what was going on. And so I said, how long have you been doing this for? He said, oh, it's about eight or nine years now. Oh, how many churches have you planted? Thinking, oh, there's one or two. He said, oh, there's only six now and I'm starting the seventh one. Oh, really? And how many people are getting saved? Oh, they're all getting saved. What do you mean? The whole, the whole community was getting saved. The whole village was getting saved. And I spoke to him afterwards, and he said there's around about 1,200 people that have given their hearts to the Lord in the jungles of Borneo, in this real hostile environment. One person making an incredible difference. As he asked someone to go somewhere and do something, he said he wasn't qualified, he couldn't speak, and he didn't, he didn't want to speak. But I tell you what, God did something in and through his life. The water table is increasing in Borneo because men and women like that are daring to step out and do some incredible things. One church can make a significant difference. Faith Point has got a mandate on it. You know, we started this church five years ago. There was a handful of us here that were started off. It's probably more than a handful. It was a big handful. Um, but it's not just planting one church. You know, we've got a vision to plant seven churches. Um, and you might think, well, that's a big vision. But if God speaks, he's doing it for a reason. I think it's important to um, plant trees. But I think I'd rather plant an orchard than just one tree. I'd rather plant a forest than not just one pine tree. And it's important, and when we look at our church, that if we can start to plant more than one church, 
or two churches or three churches, the impact is going to be far greater for so many people. One church can make an, an incredible difference for so many people. I haven't got much time this morning to really um, to develop that, but also one nation can make a difference. And over the last four or five years, God has given me so much uh, prophetic realisation to where our nation is positioned in the, in the vanguard of the nations. New Zealand is a special nation. Um, and I'm thinking, God, is it just me that's getting this revelation? And I've spoken to people and they've started to share similar things. But I thought it would be really good just to be able to examine some of the notable prophetic words that have been spoken over our word by seasoned prophetic individuals. Because we're living in a truly remarkable hour where the water table, the rising tide, is increasing. One of these guys is a guy called uh, Rick Joyner. Uh, he's from America. He's part of the Northwest uh, prophetic uh, cluster of people from the Northwest uh, coast of uh, United States. And he says this, New Zealand is a called to be the adrenaline to the body of Christ. They've been sent especially to the lukewarm to light fires of renewal and revival. What an amazing thing. New Zealanders are the adrenaline to the body of Christ. Being commissioned to be sent to take this fire to what is lukewarm. And we see that taking place. If you just uh, see what James has done uh, this last year, um, going to various nations, where they've gone, where all these pastors are struggling. They want to pack up and they go home. But it just takes a little bit of, come on, you can do it. And they want to get up and run. It's the same. I've had the honour of working with several pastors that are just forgotten. It's like the fires have just flickered. They're still going, but they're just like on the edge of blowing out. But a little bit of encouragement, that lukewarmness starts to become passion, and it starts to get hotter and hotter and hotter. Um, another prophetic word comes from a guy called Nathan Shaw, and he's based down in Wellington. You can't read it on the, on the screen there, but it says, um, and this is a New Zealand is a prophetic voice to the nation. She will have a prophetic authority disproportionate to her size. New Zealand is a prophetic forerunner nation. She has a strategic role to wake up the nations in the preparation for Jesus' return. New Zealand will impact the world, impact um, with New Zeal to the body of Christ worldwide. Like John the Baptist, she was sent with a voice crying out in the wilderness. John the Baptist's ministry was characterised by three prophetic cries. One was, Behold the King. Behold the lamb. Behold the bridegroom. There's a voice coming out of New Zealand prophetically that always, well not always, it's starting to really expound that fact. You know, Jesus is coming back. There's a new sense of reality that this world is hemorrhaging. It's falling apart at the scenes. More and more wars, more and more weird things taking place. Light's getting lighter, dark's getting darker. And people are getting caught up in this blend of stuff which is really confusing they're wanting answers but I sense that there's going to be like a suddenness take place in the spirit there's like an immediacy, there's an urgency that's rising up, there's an acceleration there's a supernatural expediency that's um, emerging, it's like a volcanic thing that's sort of just surging and there's like a suddenness starting to arise out there's a new prophetic apostolic uh, component coming on the church, we've seen it before where there's a new recognition of that 
There's a lot of prophetic stuff that's not so strong. There's a lot of apostolic stuff that's a, a lot wonky. But there's a realigning of what God is doing. And on the true prophetic, the true apostolic, God is trusting more and more um, in a way that's just beyond measure. Some of the stuff that James has done um, up in Nepal, because he carries a mantle, can, things can be amplified really, really quickly. Cindy Jacobs, um, she's a prophetic voice from America as well. Um, she's a prophet, she's a speaker, she's a teacher, she's an author, but she's also an intercessor. She says this, I have made you, this is New Zealand, a vanguard nation. And the Lord says to you, there's going to be a fire of the Holy Spirit that hits New Zealand. And the Lord says, I'm going to rise up an army that's going to touch, uh, touch the nations of the world. Imagine that. New Zealand is a vanguard nation. That's right at the beginning. I think our national anthem talks about this in some ways. Um, and you're going to have the Holy Spirit's fire upon you. And it's going to hit New Zealand. And I'm going to raise you up as an army to touch the nations of the world. New Zealand as a nation for its size punches way above where it should be. You know, the Olympic, uh, the, Olympic the Commonwealth Games uh, t table, population, all that sort of stuff is just a small reflection of that. You know, Cindy Jacobs uh, has got a heart for New Zealand. She's an American. But a number of years ago, I shared this at one of the prayer meetings we had uh, a couple of months ago. Um, we had uh, five New Zealanders go up to California for a, uh, a training session on the apostolic and the prophetic. And they had a cluster of around about 45 people in the classroom through the week. And at night they would open up to a, a public meeting and around about 2,500 people would turn up. And so um, Peter Wagner, who was one of the foremost biblical teachers in the world at the time, he was there and he was running the meetings. And he was speaking and he had this tap on the shoulder and a, a pulling on the coattail saying, I need to prophesy. And it was Cindy Jacobs. She got up and she said this, I need to prophesy. And so she brought out this prophetic word. And I'll, I know it sort of pretty much from verbatim, but I'll read it to you because I don't want to lose any of the impact for you. But she started to speak this in this congregation of around about 2,500 people. And she said, okay, will the New Zealanders please stand up in the audience? What happened? No one moved. She said, look, I know you're in there, in the audience somewhere. Will you please stand up, those New Zealanders that are in the audience? And it's like, no one moved. It's just like, come on, guys, stand up. And so five New Zealanders all stood up. They're all sitting together. And um, she said this. She said, I'm going to bring a linking and I'm going to bring a, a mission-sending anointing on your nation, says the Lord. Out of New Zealand will come a church planting movement and you're going to plant churches across the 1040 window for I have an anointing of missions upon your nations and I'm going to send you forth into the harvest field and you're going to be forerunners of reconciliation. I'm going to use you uh, to reconcile with gender and there's going to be a great anointing on you as peacemakers um, and the anointing will be on your nation as peacemakers. And the Lord says the enemy would try to come against you and disrupt this and he will block relationships. Satan has come and he has tried to cause fighting in, in between groups. But the Lord says, I'm going to give you a second chance. And, and that what I tried to do many years ago, but Satan got in the midst of, and he's trying to do it again, he said. But, um, and it happened again in the 70s. But I'm going to move again. I'm going to sweep again. And I'm going to cause revival to hit in the high places. It's going to start in the high places, your mountain people. 
And the Lord says, I'm going to be a powerful, I'm going to send a powerful anointing and I'm going to sweep the nations. I'm going to sweep the islands. And there's going to be a leaking with Fiji. And there's going to be a linking across the Pacific Rim. And there's, there's going to be fire that hits. Um, and it's going to impact Asia. And there's going to be uh, a burning like never before. The Lord says, New Zealand is a sword in my hand. And I've called you to be a cutting-edge people. Plane loads of missionaries will leave your nation. Well, that word was given over our nation in California. And these guys came back to New Zealand and they're sitting in one of our church offices one day and they said, well, do we have any mountain people in New Zealand? And we had this Maori evangelist and he went, (laughs) he said, the Ngāti Tūtōafoa from Taupo, they're the mountain people. And what happened, there was a whole, it was like a, a foretaste of what's going to take place. And they had about 2,500 people saved in uh, the central plateau around Taupo over about a two-year period. And healings would take place, and the schools, the rat bags would get saved, teachers would get saved, amazing things that took place. And people came to Taupo to try and check out and understand what was actually going on. And as soon as people started to come and check out what was going on, it's like the Lord stepped back, and that sort of phased off. But something happened. But it was a trigger back there. But she's come to New Zealand, Cindy Jacobs, a couple of times for corporate intercession meetings. And she's articulated again that prophetic word. The reason why I stopped corporate business to do what I'm doing today is because the, ma- the mantle of missions uh, was put on my shoulders. And uh, I cannot explain it. But the whole dream to mobilize the church was something that God put in my heart. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what that meant at the time. And... My dream is to see plane loads of New Zealanders go into the mission field. Not just Cessnas, Airbuses and 747s, maybe Hercules, I don't know. But, but you know, even last year, um, through Pacific to Nations, one of the things I'm working with, we saw over 500 first-time people get on a plane and go for their first-time mission trip somewhere in the world. And it was like, whoa. And this is like an answer to a prophetic word that this lady had brought uh, a number of years ago. There's another guy called Jim White. He's an American. You'll have to forgive him. But he came down to Australia. He came down to New Zealand. And he said on the plane coming down, God gave him a vision. And he said that old program, Bonanza, I don't know if you remember that. Most of us are in in the 60s. I don't know how it goes. But um, there was this picture of Bonanza, this western. And and there was a map where the Ponderosa Ranch was. And this burning took place. And the fire went through you know, the, the, the picture that was on the TV at the time. It was all in black and white. Then it went into colour, by the way. Um, but he said this, this whole bonanza thing just was before me. And he knew he was coming to Australia and to New Zealand. And then he said, as I looked at Australia, it had this burning all around its borders. Sidney Jacobs had another prophecy similar to this. And he said, I saw this fire all the way around its borders, but New Zealand did not. New Zealand was engulfed. It was completely engulfed. Not just the coastlands, but the whole nation, the North Island and the South Island. It was consumed by the fire of the Holy Ghost. He picks who he picks. He chooses who he chooses. The Lord says, my my heart pounds. It beats wildly within me. It beats passionately for the nation of New Zealand. New Zealand will not have the fire. New Zealand will be the fire. Out of New Zealand, a movement will come. 
it's, it's like going to bed at night and waking up in the morning. It won't be the next day. It will be a whole new season. The old is past and a new season is greeting us. Your life belongs to me, says the Lord. I've chosen you to pour out my blessing into the nations of the world. And I will launch this out of New Zealand. Your lives will be prototypes for what I'm doing. The nations of the world will come to this land to encounter me. The nations of the world will come to receive the fire of God. The world will come to encounter the living one. No way will people be able to get on a boat or plane or will they be able to just uh, arrive or even leave the country without them being impacted by the fire of the Holy Spirit. The real reason why you're on this planet is right now. It starts right now. Your nation will no longer be at the back of the line. I've picked you and put you in the front. Your nation will become a habitation for the Holy Spirit. He has found himself a resting place, and it is called New Zealand. A new season, a new wineskin, new, new, new. Out with the stale, in with the fresh. Burn, burn, burn. Friends, God will move through an individual. He'll move through a church, but I believe he's going to move in and through New Zealand in a way that is beyond our comprehension. We're living in this generation, this hour, not by mistake, not by chance. God has positioned us here uniquely for a reason. And God has spoken about pouring out a new anointing, a fresh anointing. There's been a rising tide that's been taking place. It really has. It's been subtle. It's increased. And we've seen the flow. We've seen the the flush of what's been going through. And, and we've been excited about it. And some people have stood on the side of the river and thought, oh, that's cool, and they stepped into it a little bit. But I think the Lord wants us to be able to dive deep into what's going on, you know, to really be immersed to what's going on. Um, Smith Wigglesworth talked about um, unmatched intensity, a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit gifts than ever before. And I think we're living in the time where that's taking place. Um, things took place in the Welsh Revival. The gifts were poured out on the Holy Spirit. But I think there's a fresh pouring out of the Holy Ghost. Spirit like never before. And I don't know how to end the meeting fully this morning, but I sense the challenge is we need more of Him. Less of ourselves and more of Him. I know that God's spoken to people through visions and dreams and, and words. And, um, and you know in your life that there's been this gestation, this baby within you has sort of been in that it's not been delivered yet. It's like John the Baptist's mum, Elizabeth, you know, this baby had to get out to change the world. God's going to birth the dreams within your heart. But how I'd like to pray this morning um, is just to pray that God would pour out afresh his Holy Spirit upon you. You may have never, ever, ever been baptised in the Holy Spirit. You may not have spoken in tongues. we just love to be able to do that, that today might be the day that you break the sound barrier. Um, you may be functioning in the prophetic, but you want to go to a whole different level. You don't want to be a weak muscle. You want to be a strong muscle in the prophetic. You know, you, you might be functioning in many of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, intercession, leadership, missions. There's many, many gifts. And we'll just, if you want to pray and... Um, come forward and we'll pray for you that there'll be a fresh outpouring of the substance of heaven on you not just to make you feel good on the warm fuzzies, it's not about that it's to change a world that we're living in
um, not just our society and our city, which will be great to see that take place. We've got to change the nations. The, the mantle on our nation is really, really unique as peacemakers. You know, the United Nations, you know, involved with wars everywhere. And, but when the New Zealanders come, there's something on our nation as peacemakers. Um, that's a grace that's been poured out on our nation. Um, things are getting better and better. I am so thrilled that I'm part of this end-time move of God where hopefully things are going to get wrapped up because we've been doing what he's called us to do. Let's stand, friends, and I'm going to pray. And